We flew in last night from Toronto just for the Canuck game. The NHL postpones Canucks games as Omicron spread shuts down events and gatherings across BC. Plus, Mr. Regis is the only person of interest and he's the only suspect. The husband of Naomi Onatera is charged with manslaughter in the death of the Langley mother. And there's always a way for what you choose if you believe it. How this artist is painting his experiences as a refugee while helping others resettle here as well. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The latest restrictions aimed at stopping the growing number of Omicron variant cases in B.C. don't kick in until Monday. But the relentless spread of the virus suddenly halted two Canucks home games this weekend. And as Amadagahi reports, an organizer of a New Year's Eve event in Vancouver insists their show will go on. There was not enough time to change the signage and in some to alert people who thought they were going to a hockey game but instead we're disappointed. But no, it's been canceled. Has it really? Yeah. No, when? no when? he's lying, it couldn't have... Oh boy. Where did you guys come from? Uh, Chilliwack. Because puck drop was just four hours away when the decision was made to cancel not one, but two Vancouver Canucks games at Rogers Arena this weekend as more players entered COVID-19 protocol. We're disappointed, but uh, safety comes first, the safety of the players, safety of the fans, and and I think this is the right decision. Off the ice, it's the same story. For days, COVID-19 testing lineups in Vancouver have sometimes stretched two hours. Cases are rising. While many are scrambling to adjust to new restrictions on social events and gatherings in BC just days before the holidays and ahead of a projected surge in the Omicron variant. It is moving quickly, and so must we. One particular measure, unique to BC, is the suspension of organized New Year's Eve parties and events, which at first seemed to be a blanket rule, but has since been clarified to include only those with dancing and mingling. If you guys want to see a trick, say yeah. So at first we thought that we were being forced to cancel our event, which was not the case. We've learned since that uh, events on New Year's Eve are able to move forward if they are seated events, which, are, which, ours are, which our event is. The arts director of a New Year's Eve variety show is relieved, but the confusion appears to have affected some bars and restaurants. Immediately when Dr. Henry said New Year's Eve parties were cancelled uh, yesterday, people were sort of calling in to pubs and restaurants and cancelling their reservations. Don't do that. Uh, call us up and talk to us because we can find a way to make your event still a lot of fun. It just means we have to convert it more towards a, a dinner party, right? Back at Rogers Arena, the late cancellation has put some families out hundreds of dollars throwing off holiday plans. We flew in last night from Toronto just for the Canuck game to bring our son in for his Christmas present. But this family will try to make the best of what can only be described as another strange and uncertain time. Amadagahi, Global News. And the fallout over the incoming rules is just now being felt between city plan New Year's Eve parties being cancelled and holiday gatherings and travel plans now up in the air. Darian Matassafung has that part of the story. Crushing. That's how Kelowna's mayor describes the feeling of learning that the city's much-anticipated New Year's Eve event would have to be cancelled. The fact that we had been making advancements and, and now we, we have to step backwards 
um, is, is disappointing on a number of different levels, but completely understand why these moves need to take place. Kelowna's mayor admitting the sudden rise in COVID-19 cases across the province and here in Interior Health is worrisome. I'm extremely concerned about uh, this latest variant and the impacts that it could have on our healthcare system. That's the biggest one, is that um, Kelowna General Hospital, the ICU uh, in particular, is full, continues to be full, particularly of those who are unvaccinated. The new restrictions, cancelling organized events, reducing venue capacity and limiting private gatherings comes into effect on Monday, affecting almost everyone in the province. Some of my family members aren't able to come now for Christmas and so it's pretty disappointing, you know, because we haven't seen them, we didn't see them last year either. So, it, you know, it's pretty hard. I might sail away to Fiji, I don't know. And it will change the plans, right? We have to follow the protocols and all that kind of stuff, so... I think it will postpone my plan, like going to Vancouver, I want to do that, but I can't. One of the biggest businesses that will be affected in the central Okanagan is the Kelowna Rockets. They say they are disappointed with the decision as they've only been operating at full capacity for nearly a month. Well, disappointment because, you know, we we were the last guys to get opened up and, uh, you know, we're just starting to get some traction uh, and we're going into a period of time here that are traditionally you know, sold out games right through into the middle of January. So it's a huge hit for us when you're cut back by, uh, you know, basically 3,000 people almost a game. The renewed restrictions will remain in place until at least January 31st and quite possibly longer. Darian Matasafung, Global News, Kelowna. UBC's alma mater society is calling on the school to immediately cancel in-person exams. The AMS says students continue to write exams this weekend, sometimes in halls packed with hundreds of students. What's worse, the AMS says it's received anecdotes of students going to write their exams despite having tested positive for COVID-19. The student body writing to the UBC president asking him to immediately cancel in-person tests. It's all leading to extreme stress, according to the AMS. But health officials stress that classrooms at post-secondary institutions are safe. Cases have been very low at post-secondary institutions, and we have not had uh, transmission in classroom settings, for example, or lab settings in post-secondary institutions. It has been almost exclusively in those social events off campus mostly, uh, where there's uh, not mask wearing, where people are coming together. Now, WorkSafe BC won't confirm if the latest provincial restrictions that come into effect on Monday will mean a stepped-up enforcement of workplaces. But they did say their prevention officers have conducted more than 28,000 inspections related to COVID-19 and disease prevention. That's led to more than 3,500 orders being issued. And their prevention information line has addressed 41,400 inquiries related to COVID-19. That is as of November 1st of this year. He was arrested on Friday and now the husband of a missing Langley mother and school teacher is accused of manslaughter in her death. RCMP suspected foul play in Naomi Onatera's disappearance and as Kristen Robinson reports, a three-month integrated homicide team investigation unearthed human remains. As forensic teams continue to search Naomi Onatera's Langley home, Part of the mystery surrounding her disappearance has been solved with a disturbing revelation 
that only raises more questions. 49-year-old Obnus Regis is the husband of Naomi Onatera. He's been charged with manslaughter and indignity to human remains. A neighbor tells Global News the husband continued to live at the family home after his wife went missing this past summer. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking because there's going to be no answer that's going to make them feel better. It's alleged the 40-year-old elementary school teacher and mother of a young daughter was killed on August 28th, the same day her husband reportedly last saw on Oterra leave their home. In mid-September, homicide investigators took over the case, setting up a forensics tent in Onotera's front yard amid scattered children's toys. Evidence of foul play was uncovered, including human remains. It's unclear if those remains were found on Onotera's property. I am unable to confirm that right now, but our searches are ongoing and we have several places to look. On Saturday, Onotera's white Subaru Crosstrek was towed away from her home. Mr. Regis is the only person of interest, and he's the only suspect. Regis remains in custody pending a court appearance in Surrey Tuesday. I've lived in this neighborhood my entire life, so this has been really, really difficult to see to see happen to a neighbor. And all I can think of was her child. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Parts of the Fraser Valley early this morning experienced some of the worst of the winter weather that hit the south coast this weekend. <laughs> some angry drivers this morning as snow created slick conditions on the roads. Tow truck crews say they had to pull more than a dozen vehicles that crashed or ended up in a ditch. They say drivers were speeding past them even while they were lifting other vehicles out. And they have a message for all motorists. Slow down. Slow down. Everybody's, Stay home. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Stay home. Yeah, if you have to be out here, slow down. Everybody's whizzing by us, even when we're pulling cars out of the ditch, they're flying by us still. And this was the scene in Abbotsford overnight. Lots of snow covering vehicles and walkways. Residents woke up to nearly nine centimeters of snow on the ground in that city. Abbotsford police are warning drivers to slow down and drive with extra care. And in the Okanagan Valley, the city of Kelowna has been clearing snow since midnight. And at the peak of the storm, around 2 a.m., there were 20 pieces of heavy equipment on the streets. Parking bans and snow routes will come into effect tomorrow morning. The city says more than 10 centimeters fell overnight and snow continued to fall throughout much of the day. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell will have a detailed look at how much snow fell coming up. BC Hydro is planning a multi-million dollar seismic upgrade to its aging John Hart Dam. Vancouver Island's own power generating source in Campbell River is 74 years old. Upgrades will include new upstream and downstream berms and replacing the spillway gate and hoist at a cost of between $497 and $822 million. BC Hydro is continuing its consultation with local Indigenous groups. Construction is expected to start in 2023 and take six years. The John Hart Dam was recently upgraded to include a replacement underground generation station. And after the break, targeting a migrant mother. The family is extremely traumatized about this, about this experience. The allegations of a CBSA crackdown and changes advocates are calling for. Plus, 
it's through my artistic way I can again help uh, people. How a former refugee's art, inspired by his own journey, is helping others now on a similar path. Migrant advocates are calling for sanctuary zones outside B.C. schools after they allege border officials targeted a migrant mother last month. Children have the right to go to school. It happened on November 30th after a woman dropped off her child at Lord Tweedsmere Elementary in New Westminster. Sanctuary Health claims four CBSA officers followed her, handcuffed her in an alley and detained her. The woman, who was originally from Mexico, was released after she agreed to call her husband to come in and meet with border officials. He, too, was briefly detained, and both are now facing potential removal. Their daughter, who was born here, is a Canadian citizen. The group says the couple has submitted an application for permanent residency on humanitarian grounds. The family is extremely traumatized about this, about this experience, and we'd like to see Canada Border Services Agency respect sanctuary schools' policies and not contact, surveil, or follow people from the schools. The CBSA says its officers were in New Westminster on the date in question carrying out their duties as part of an Immigration and Refugee Protection Act investigation. It says officers did not enter any school property. The Privacy Act prevents the CBSA from releasing details about specific files, but it says the decision to remove someone from Canada is not taken lightly. A B.C. artist is putting paint to canvas to raise funds for refugees as they make the difficult transition to resettle in Canada. As Paul Johnson reports, the painter is able to draw from his own experience. Spend a few minutes with Burnaby's Harem Jamal and you get a powerful lesson on how life inspires art. I'm an artist uh, from Kurdistan. And in recent decades, that's been one of the toughest places to grow up. Threatened by conflict in that region, Jamal and his family spent many years in refugee camps. His gripping paintings tell some of that story, like how children frequently mistook bombers for planes bringing gifts. You didn't know uh, those uh, airplanes came to attack you. This haunting vision should speak to anyone in Canada who's uncertain about their blessings in the holiday season based on things he witnessed in garbage dumps near the refugee camps. But searching uh, in the dirty place to find something to take back to the, to the camp for a little brother or sister. Now a permanent resident in Canada, and with several years under his belt making art here, Jamal wanted to give back to some of the people who helped him get on his feet the Immigrant Services Society of B.C. With a commission from Goldbeck Recruiting, Jamal painted this large-format winterscape of Grouse Mountain. And on Sunday night, it'll be auctioned to the highest bidder, with proceeds going to ISS. People who are interested in supporting this initiative um, can go to uh, goldbeck.com slash fundraiser and they can bid on the original or they can order prints. Well, a departure from the main theme of his work to date, the Grouse Mountain piece stands as a symbol of his determination that he even made it to a distant place like Canada to paint our mountains and how in the face of adversity he never gave up on art. There is always a way 
for what you choose if you believe it and love it. In East Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. A charitable drive in Burnaby today was music to the ears of organizers. Bring the entrance down. Come on down. It's all for a good cause. Harmony for All held a music instrument donation day at Burnaby City Hall. Many people braving the deluge to give unused instruments. It's part of a program aimed at providing instruments and musical instruction free of charge to children. City Councilor and legendary DOA member Joe Keepley said late this morning they had already filled one van with donations and is overwhelmed by the public support. The generosity of people is incredible and we just like, uh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm here with the Burnaby Firefighters uh, Charitable Association and, uh, and some of our volunteers and we're doing great. Coming up, an inappropriate culture of spending. What a forensic audit has revealed about questionable expenses within the Thompson-Nicola Regional District and the response. And later, the story of these seals and how they were finally able to see freedom. We are looking at the usual for weekend traffic here at the Lionsgate, meaning it's fairly slow southbound through the causeway into the uh, downtown core, but there are no accidents and northbound is doing just fine. Through a new charitable partnership between Kermac Cares for Kids and Surrey Memorial Hospital, when you choose Kermac Collision and Auto Glass, you also support the Surrey Memorial Children's Health Centre. From the Global Traffic Centre, I'm Jackie McNulty. Details of an overspending scandal with the Thompson-Nicola Regional District's former chief administrative officer are starting to become clear. BDO Canada laid out the results of its forensic audit this week. CFJC's Chad Klassen has reaction from the current board and CAO. For a couple hours on Thursday, the TNRD board sat and listened to BDO Canada as it outlined the inappropriate culture of spending that came to be under former CAO Sue Gill. Board Chair Ken Gillis said it wasn't easy to listen to, but there's a sense of relief now that it's out there. We've been anticipating the results of this uh, forensic audit for some considerable time. We've had it extended at least twice, and perhaps it was three, I don't remember for sure, times. And uh, so it's good to have it over, and it's good to have the results. And uh, no, it wasn't an easy day, but it was a day that we knew was coming, and it was a, new de- a day we knew we would have to deal with. The TNRD has been dealing with the fallout of Gill's overspending for nearly a year now, since a Kamloops This Week investigation revealed the former CAO racked up more than $500,000 worth of credit card bills. During the audit presentation on Thursday, it was revealed that Gill spent more than double, and in some years triple, compared to his counterparts elsewhere in B.C. from 2015 to 2019. Current CAO Scott Hildebrand didn't expect the amount of details in the report that was provided by BDO Canada. The detailed analysis and how deep they went, um, and um, you know, rightfully so. I think this is important that our our constituents know uh, exactly what happened, and uh, again, that'll come out in the full report. But uh, for me, um, I was excited to see the recommendations. There's going to be a lot of work ahead of us. The recommendations by BDO Canada were laid out in five parts, including a zero tolerance tone from the top ensuring there are policies in place to crack down on overspending. It also recommended a whistleblower program to allow employees to express concerns without fears of retribution. Changes were made shortly after the Kamloops This Week report came to light, including a reduction of the CAO's credit card limit from $30,000 to $5,000. Alcohol now is no longer allowed to be expensed by TNRD staff or directors. The TNRD says the public can expect the full forensic audit report early in the new year. 
The regional district hasn't released a full report due to legal reasons. Directors we reached out to today wouldn't speak due to concerns of possible legal action. Jack Klassen, CFJC News. Well, homebuyers across the country have been spared a tougher mortgage stress test. The national banking regulator is not making changes to the minimum qualifying rate. For uninsured mortgages with less than 20% down payment, borrowers must prove they can afford the higher of their contract rate plus two percentage points, or 5.25%. Low interest rates have fueled the home buying frenzy during the pandemic. A tragic loss in Montreal where COVID-19 has claimed the life of a baby at St. Justine Hospital. Hospital officials say the child was just two months old. They also say the newborn was perfectly healthy at birth, but was recently admitted to intensive care and died on Thursday. Officials add infants are at higher risk of suffering from COVID complications and strict pandemic protocols must be respected. No other details are being released due to privacy. And still ahead, Yvonne's back with a full forecast and an otter delight how these playful animals responded to the snowfall. Stay with us. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, it was Freedom Day today for three rescued harbor seals. The Vancouver Aquarium releasing footage as the trio was set free at Porto Cove on Friday. Squish was found emaciated and dehydrated in October at Boundary Bay. After more than two months in the care of staff of the Marine Mammal Rescue Centre, the animal was fit enough to be released. Link was found at Whitecliff Park at the end of August, emaciated and injured. More than three and a half months later, Link is also back in the water. And Caitlin spent more than four months recovering from a marine mammal disturbance after being found at Beach Grove in Sawasan. And the Vancouver Aquarium tweeting out this adorable video during Friday's snowfall. The four otters in the pool reacting to the white stuff and they couldn't get enough of it, repeatedly rolling onto their bellies to get a taste of the snow. My kids don't know I'm coming home, so I'm going to surprise them when I come home. Home for the holidays, the heartwarming scenes as this vessel returns from its military mission earlier than expected. That's coming up, but first. A group of Okanagan paddleboarders braved the cold today to enjoy a holiday outing on Kalamalka Lake in Coldstream. Every year around this time, the paddlers dress up in their finest holiday costumes, Santas, snow people and elves attracting a lot of attention. The Coldstream area got about 12 centimeters of snow overnight and the temperature was minus five when the paddlers braved the partially frozen lake. Whew, okay, <laughs> well that looks cold, but I'm sure New Year's Day we'll see a lot more people underdressed compared to that, yeah. braving the cold as well. I'm nervous for those paddleboarders to make no, sure that they stay there, that they don't fall in. Yeah, safety <laughs> first, especially yeah. in thick snowfall like what's behind you there. Yeah, winter wonderland for many areas across the province. The snow picked up uh, late Friday overnight and we saw it into the morning hours before it really started to ease off for many areas across Metro Vancouver. Hope this was a, a great shot of the snowfall that was captured there. This one taken by Sarah and this one from the Hope family. So thank you so much. Squamish, this was capturing the snowfall and this one was taken by Brad. Now some of the numbers that we did see. So most areas in Hope saw upwards of 30 centimeters. Whistler closer to 50 centimeters. Squamish 
Squamish, 38. Clearwater, up to 30. And Port Alberni, up to 23. Revelstoke, getting over 20 centimeters. And these snowfall amounts take it until 4 p.m. this afternoon. Nacusp with up to 17. Kelowna saw that range between 10 and up to 15 centimeters. And a few spots in Surrey was local, but up to 11 centimeters of snow. We are seeing dry conditions for most areas along the south coast. Temperatures out of the airport right now sitting at 5. We've got a southeasterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. We are going to still see a slight chance for some isolated showers. Higher elevations could see some flurries. But the bulk of the moisture is still working its way in towards the interior with the snow easing off late this evening and looking ahead towards Sunday morning. Overnight tonight, we'll still hang on to that chance for some showers. Temperatures will be down to 3 degrees. By the afternoon, we'll anticipate some breaks in the cloud cover, dry conditions highs up to five but a heads up as we get in towards the evening hours it's going to be chilly into our long-range forecast and looking ahead towards next week and leading up and towards our christmas so for the morning hours cloud cover a few showers possible flurries will ease off especially for higher elevations if you're traveling along the mountain passes we've had a significant amount of snow you'll want to check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions but the snowfall is easing off overnight tonight the northern half of the province along the coast tomorrow up to the freezing mark it's inland Still chilly with temperatures uh, sitting at minus 11 by the afternoon. Much of the central interior tomorrow will see some sunshine in the mix. A few isolated flurries still possible. Snow will taper off, especially towards the afternoon. A clearing is on the way for much of the southern interior. A few showers possible along the south coast and then easing off. We've got some breaks. It'll be pleasant tomorrow with the clearing on the way. Temperatures will be up to 5. Similar to what we've been seeing over the past few days, could be tracking some snowfall on Tuesday or wet snow, and then similar once again as we get in towards our Thursday. Nithu? All right. Thanks very much, Yvonne. More Canadian Navy members have returned home in time for the holidays. On Thursday, families in Victoria welcomed back their loved ones with HMCS Winnipeg coming back from a long mission in the Indo-Pacific region. And on the East Coast this morning, HMCS Fredericton returned from a nearly six-month deployment in the North Atlantic and Northern European waters. While the reception of the crew on the jetty was smaller than usual because of COVID restrictions, families were happy to reunite however they could a week before. Before Christmas. The ship wasn't supposed to return until December 23rd, but some challenges on board made for a slightly earlier return date. The uh, forward engine room suffered an, an accidental fire when we were off the coast of Norway uh, in uh, late uh, November. So we spent some unscheduled time in uh, Norway. No one was injured and Commander Drew Graham says the crew worked well together to tackle every challenge that came their way. We're back for Christmas with the family, so Overall mission success, I think. And for loved ones, it's that return for Christmas that matters most. It's been a long time. They left in July. And I know myself, and I could probably speak for Rosie too, we're definitely excited to have her home, especially before Christmas. Master Corporal Carrie Schultz had the honour of being the first off the ship. Her boyfriend of five years was there to greet her for the traditional first kiss. But even he knew someone else would steal the spotlight. I'm, I won't be the first kiss, it'll be Rosie, so I'll be seconds. Due to COVID regulations, space on the jetty was limited, so most families waited for their loved ones in the parking lot. But that didn't dampen anyone's spirits. And with the early arrival of the ship, others chose a different approach to the family reunion. Like Sailor First Class Nick Follin, who had his cousin come pick him up. My kids don't know I'm coming home, so I'm going to surprise them when I come home. This latest deployment was the fourth for HMCS Fredericton as part of Operation Reassurance. Alicia Drouse, Global News, Halifax. 
Wonderful to see. The kind of good news that I think we all need <laughs> right mm -hmm. now. Uh, not the case for Canucks fans tonight, though, Barry. Yeah, it's uh, always disappointing, uh, you know, especially when uh, things were relaxed. We had crowds, and mm -hmm. now it's uh, going back the other way, especially at this time of year when a lot of fans come into town. They plan their uh, vacations and their time off around these games, but uh, I guess it has to be done. And unfortunately, the Canucks, at least for the weekend, will not be playing either of their two games against the uh, Leafs or Arizona. So we'll hear from Jim Rutherford uh, talking about that. And it's also affecting uh, the World Junior Tournament coming up in uh, Edmonton on Boxing Day. So all that uh, coming up a bit later on. All right. Thanks very much for that, Barry. Also ahead, a first-of-its-kind decision. An anti-COVID vaccine father loses a battle with his ex-wife over whether to immunize their children. Pink Shirt Day reminds us all to be kind, to lift each other up, to speak up for those who don't have a voice. Let's celebrate our diversity. The CKNW Kids Fun Pink Shirt Day, presented by Global BC and 980 CKNW. Visit us at pinkshirtday.ca. It is a first in an Alberta courtroom. A parental dispute over the vaccination status of two children has been settled with a judge siding with the mother. On one side, a father who doesn't want his children vaccinated against COVID-19. On the other, a mother who does. The result, a dispute in court. It is the first written decision on this issue in Alberta. Public court documents show the couple, now divorced, have joint custody of a 10- and 12-year-old, giving them regular childhood immunizations and the annual flu shot, disagreeing only over the COVID-19 vaccine. In Lethbridge Court, Justice Joanna Kubik ruling the father is, quote, not able to make decisions in their best interests after engaging in and sharing vaccine misinformation with the children, putting them under stress. Now the mother has full authority over matters pertaining to COVID-19 and the children, including health treatment. The court citing well-reported vaccine efficacy and similar legal cases in Saskatchewan and Ontario. I think the court did a really robust analysis, you know, given the very contentious issue and, you know, the polarizing nature of the issue. I think that it, this case highlights the bias of the courts generally with respect to this issue. The father is also now censored from even discussing the virus with the children and could be stripped of other health decisions if an impasse occurs in the future. Catherine Kowalchuk is his legal counsel. My client was not presenting information that was conspiracy theory. The information we provided, we felt, was very um, practical and from legitimate sources. Kurt Schlachter, representing the mother, says this case will set a precedent going forward. I think it's only a matter of time before these cases work their way through each provincial court system, but they've been consistent and they've all taken the same approach, which is uh, to take judicial notice of the fact that the pandemic is real and that the vaccines are safe. When it comes to children deciding for themselves, legal experts say every case is different, but ultimately depends on age and whether or not they're considered a mature minor. Kowalczyk says they're currently deciding whether or not to appeal the decision. Eloise Terrien, Global News. All right, Barry's back with a full look at sports after this break. And later, how this Christmas light display is helping a Kamloops family support a cause close to their hearts. Join us.
us in supporting British Columbians who need our help. Global BC, 980 CKW, AM730, and Global Okanagan are partnering for BC Together in support of BC Flood Relief. Visit globalnews.ca slash bctogether to donate to an organization of your choice that are helping communities in need. Learn about our connection to the magnificent Orca at the Royal BC Museum exhibit, Orcas, Our Shared Future. Dig into the science, popular culture, and Indigenous beliefs to gain a new appreciation of these sophisticated animals. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's back with a full look at sports, and we know Canucks fans are disappointed this weekend, but there is some good news. Canucks for Kids has announced that they are extending the sales period for the Super Jackpot, estimated million-dollar Super Jackpot, to Tuesday at 9.30. And also, Francesco Aquilini tweeted out that food from this weekend's postponed games will be going to families in need through the Vancouver Food Bank and the Salvation Army. We're always looking for those silver linings, mm-hmm. right, Barry? Yeah, you got to make the best of a of a situation that is so unfortunate for uh, so many people mm-hmm. on a lot of levels. Uh, a little hard on people, I think, uh, spirits at this time of year, too. So looking forward to these games and having them uh, kind of pulled out from under them. All right, thanks, Neetu. What was supposed to be a very fun-filled hockey weekend for Canucks fans just as the holiday season begins was suddenly wiped out earlier today after Tyler Myers was added to the Canucks protocol list, bringing the number of players to six. The Leafs also have more than a half dozen on that list. So the NHL decided it was best to postpone the Canucks game today against the Leafs and tomorrow night's game against Arizona, both at Rogers Arena. Five of today's 10 NHL games have been postponed. So it's getting close to a tipping point where you might think the NHL could shut down get things under control. If you had tickets for this weekend's games, hang on to them until the Canucks figure out when the games will be rescheduled. Well, I wasn't totally surprised. I was a little bit disappointed. I know that uh, a lot of people came from out of town for this game. I feel bad for those fans that, that, you know, made those arrangements. And from a team point of view, you know, this was going to be a really good test for us to... You know, every game is a test, but this is one of the, the Maple Leafs are one of the top teams in the league. And, you know, we would have got a, a good look at how our team responded against them. So we're disappointed, but uh, safety comes first, the safety of the players, safety of the fans. And, and I think this is the right decision. These games are not canceled. They're postponed. Uh, hopefully we can play them at a later date. And uh, we can proceed accordingly. We can practice if we want. I don't know what Bruce will decide there, but we can uh, have fairly normal activities except play the games. And that was Canucks President Jim Rutherford. The uh, Canucks' next schedule game is Tuesday in San Jose. But the last thing the Canucks want is to have any player test positive while in the U.S. and have to stay there until they're cleared. So I suspect that game will also likely be postponed. It's risky at this point, but no official word yet. Likely Monday we'll find out. The Canucks' next home game is Thursday versus the Ducks and then not until the 27th against Seattle. As we all painfully know, the situation is fluid and we don't really know 
know right now if those games will go on as scheduled. There were some games tonight, including the Senators and Flyers in Philadelphia. Quick start for the Flyers, already one nothing, and Oscar Lindblom with the blast goes off. Thomas Shabbat sticking in his own net, 2 nothing Flyers. Senators didn't get a shot on goal until late in the period, but they were much better in the second. They cut it to 2-1, and then Alex Formanton ties it while shorthanded, and they remain tied very late in the third. It's Flyers and Senators 3-3. Abbotsford Canucks are on the road in Henderson, Nevada to take on the Silver Knights, the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, farm team. It's 2-2 late in overtime. Justin Bailey has both goals for the Canucks. The World Juniors start a week from tomorrow in Edmonton, but because of the heightened COVID infections lately, pre-tournament games have been postponed until December 23rd. Canada was to have played Switzerland in a tune-up game tomorrow, and you have to wonder what kind of crowds, if any, will now be allowed to watch games, which again is so disappointing for fans who've probably had those tickets for months. Vancouver Warriors home opener Friday night versus Saskatchewan, and there were fans in the crowd. 657 days between home days for the Warriors because of the COVID uh, interruptions. Mitch Jones scored in the opening minute, so there's a lot to cheer about. Keegan Ball will cut to the net here and take the pass and fire it in. It was 4-1 Warriors after one, but uh, the rush explode for six unanswered in the second, including one by former Warrior Mike Mallory. 7-4 rush at the half. Warriors were on a drought for Almost 25 minutes of playing time, but they did get one here from Mitch Jones on the power play to cut the lead to 7-6, but it was 9-6 Saskatchewan through three. Fourth quarter, Marty Dinsdale will give the home side some hope to make it 9-7, but the Rush are going to get it right back. Mike Messenger scores what turns out to be the game winner, and Saskatchewan wins 10-9, handing the Warriors... Their first loss of the season. They're now 2-1 next home game January 7th versus Colorado. In the NFL, two games were scheduled today. The Vegas-Cleveland Browns game has been postponed to Monday because of COVID, but the Patriots and Colts are playing. Colts strike first. Naheem Hines taking the flip. Jonathan Taylor with the lead block. Touchdown Colts. And it's 7-0 Indy. Next possession, the Patriots punt is blocked and recovered in the end zone by EJ Speed. Very un-Belichick-like for New England to make those kind of mistakes. 17-0 at the half, and that's where they stand early third. NBA tonight, Raptors taking on Golden State, but the Warriors rested Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins, and Draymond Green. So pretty much a freebie for the Raptors at Scotiabank Arena. 50% capacity, but man, they had a lot to cheer about. Fred Van Vliet. Two of his game-high 27 right there. Scotty Barnes, certainly a candidate for Rookie of the Year. Drives, makes the basket, draws the foul. 31-18, wraps after one. Second quarter, more from Van Vliet. He also had 12 assists on the night, including this one to Chris Boucher, who finishes nicely in the lane, 39-21. And then Barnes finishing the half strong with another and one. And Toronto up big, very late in the fourth, 119-95. to Some winter sports now. It's uh, Mikhail Kingsbury versus Walter Wahlberg in the dual moguls final in France. Kingsbury gets the quick lead. Wahlberg misses the first jump, so Kingsbury's going to take this one. He won the bronze Friday in moguls, and this is his second dual win this year. 68th World Cup gold medal, and Kingsbury's hit the podium 97 times. That's why they call him the king of the bumps. Mikhail Kingsbury with yet another gold medal. Women's World Cup monobob from Germany. That's Bob Slay with uh, just one person. You do the pushing 
and the driving. And uh, Canadian women have done very well in this event this year. Cynthia Appia from Toronto finishes second, but now moves to first in the overall standings. Three straight podiums for her. And Christine De Bruin of Stony Plain, Alberta, won her first gold medal in Mono Bob. De Bruin was 13 hundredths of a second ahead of Appia as Canada goes 1-2. And former Canadian sledder Kaylee Humphreys, now at the U.S., was third. English Premiership today. Arsenal taking on Leeds United. Arsenal, of course, got off to that horrible start this year. 0-3. Didn't score a goal. Were outscored big, but they have been great since. Gabriel Martinelli, after a couple of maybe near fouls in the box, scores to make it 1-0. Martinelli back for another in the 28th. Keeps his feet, keeps his head, and knocks it in. It's 2-0. And then Bikeo Saka in the 42nd made it 3-0. And Arsenal cruise 4-1 the final over Leeds United. Arsenal now fourth in the Premiership standings. And Tiger and Charlie Woods playing at the family team event in Orlando, Florida, the PNC Championship. Tiger with the nice approach here on... The par five from 230 yards out. Finding the green. Had an eagle chance there, but uh, Team Woods would have to settle for birdie on that hole. Charlie, meanwhile, he's only 12. Played in this event last year, but he's got some game, as you might expect, considering the bloodlines there. Stewart Sink will sink a long eagle putt. And Sink and his son Reagan, who's been caddying for Stewart during his great run the past 18 months, they have the lead at 13 under 59. It's a better ball, so they just take the best shot and uh, play on. Team Woods made a big move over the final six holes. Charlie from 20 feet makes the birdie at 15. Five birdies in a six-hole stretch. Tiger's comeback has been incredible, but hey, it's still a work in progress. Off the tee at 16. Big grimace. After hitting the driver, still many months away from a full-fledged tour event. That back and the legs still need some work. 18th, third shot in the par 5. Charlie with the brilliant chip would lead to another short birdie. 10 under 62 for Team Woods. They're tied for fifth. Three off the lead the final round tomorrow in Orlando. So just amazing to see Tiger Woods back after that accident What in late February. Uh, perhaps his big comeback still a ways away, but just nice to see him out there with his son. Absolutely. Heartwarming as mm-hmm. well. Thanks for that, Barry. And we'll be right back with the story behind a dazzling display in Kamloops. You want to stay tuned to see this and how it's supporting a community charity. I think there are still questions that need to be answered here. This was a high-risk, high-reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. But at the end of the day, we talk. And where we talk is right here at CKNW. Each of us has our reasons to end cancer, and we can, from the patient receiving a diagnosis to the researcher on the cusp of the next breakthrough. This is personal. Give today at bccancerfoundation.com.
Kamloops teen is lighting up her neighborhood. Cassie McNutt and her family have put together a brilliant display that is raising money for a cause close to their hearts. Amandalina Leterio of CFJC News has more on the impact of their annual charity drive. 15-year-old Cassie McNutt is decking her house with Christmas lights for her third annual charity drive at her home in Kamloops. I love seeing other people's reactions to it definitely because once we raise an amount of money or like giving back to people, people get so happy about it. This year, the drive is raising money for Kamloops Hospice. Donations can be made in person or online. Cassie says hospice holds a special place in her heart. My dad's dad, dad's brother and best friend have all passed there so it's really close to home for us and we just like love visiting there because like they, what they do for everyone is just amazing. The charity drive isn't the only way Cassie and her family are raising money for hospice. They are also hosting an online auction through hospice's website where more than $16,000 worth of items have been donated from local businesses. In excess of $14,000 has already been raised through these efforts. But the fundraising doesn't stop there. The family is even collecting items for the hospice thrift shop Flutter Buys and has been dropping off bags of goodies throughout the week. You could put it in perspective and say that would probably buy about eight or nine months of groceries for hospice. Um, but we are starting a, a campaign to raise funds for um, lifts, so it's safer to move our patients in the rooms um, that are from the ceiling. And so those funds will go towards that. Cassie's house is decked with more than 20,000 lights that shine so bright they even caught the attention of someone special. Merry Christmas! Little kids combine, they see Santa and they get so happy and they just run up to him. It's the best thing. Amanda Lina Letario, CFJC News. That is impressive. <laughs> I would like to know how long it took to set that up. Yes, and the takedown too. Yes, right? and where it's all stored. So many questions, but <laughs> mostly how much snow do you think that display and others <laughs> across that region will get overnight? Uh, we are actually looking at uh, still some snowfall for the interior. It is going to ease off. It's really the mountain passes, however, that will still see a significant amount. Most areas across Metro Vancouver, a few showers are possible. Clearing is on the way. It should be pleasant for the afternoon tomorrow. It looks like we may even get into some sunshine. And a heads up into early next week, it'll be chilly. Temperatures are cooling off. We have the potential once again on Tuesday to see some possible snow. All right, looks great. Thanks very much for that. Thank you all for joining us. Jordan Armstrong will be here for 11. Have a great night.